The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. The PFF Podcast is brought to you by Under Armour. Whether you're competing, training, or recovering, Under Armour has created the best performing gear to make you better. I've enjoyed it because, hey, when I work out, I sweat a lot, and Under Armour gear takes care of that. Plus, it fits great. I'm six foot ten, so getting the proper fit is extremely important. With two new exciting collections called Vanish and Perpetual, Under Armour is ready to help you focus on performance and take your fitness game to the next level. Vanish, that's my collection because, like I said, it's all about absorbing sweat. It's lightweight, quick driving, won't cling or chafe, and it stretches without absorbing the sweat. It's engineered to be more breathable so you feel lighter and less distracted. Personally, I do need to feel a little bit lighter at this point in my life. And now they also have the best fitness apps to help you track and learn how to put that gear to the test. Track your runs, log workouts, and tap into coaching with Under Armour's Map My Run, which you can sync with any one of Under Armour's connected running shoes or other devices like the Samsung smartwatch. And if you sign up for premium, you can unlock even more tools to help you achieve your fitness goals. So download Under Armour's Map My Run and MyFitnessPal in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store to get a free 30-day trial of premium for new users and take control of your goals today. The PFF NFL Podcast is also brought to you by Pluto TV, the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. The PFF NFL Podcast is also brought to you by MyBookie. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on, whether it's college basketball tipping off this week, the Cowboys and Eagles playing an NFL playoff elimination game, also college football, NBA, and NHL. My bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. My bookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. Sign up this week, and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. 
They personally respond to every mention and DM, not to mention that they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports all year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use the promo code PFF and get 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code PFF. You play, you win, you get paid. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson. We're talking week 10 in the NFL. We're going to preview every single game. Sam, how you doing, man? Not doing great, Steve. The uh, the first cold of the season has begun to take hold. I've hit the rookie wall, right? Mm. You know the way you reach sort of week 10 of the put season? put a mask on or something? No. You reach week 10 of the season, you hit that rookie wall. But as a seasoned veteran, I'm going to fight through it. And it's just going to be, you know, it's just reached that part of the season where it started to grind down. The body's, yeah. body's suffering, but uh, I don't want to keep going. In your history at PFF, where this is usually the time of year where multiple weeks of little sleep mm. and just watching a ton of football catches up to you. Is this, is this the time? Yeah, it's about the, it's about the, the right yeah. kind of area. Because my body usually just explodes in January. Oh, it's okay. usually the end of the season where it, and I'm, I'm just like laid up watching playoff games. Well, that's handy. I mean, you know. I guess. Yeah. But like my body knows it's like, all right, the, gr- the, the hard part of the grind is over. So we can, uh, we can explode now. Right. And crash. Yeah. All right. We're going to hit every single game. But of course, we always like to hit the Thursday night game, which has not happened in our world yet. But it has happened in your world. If you guys are listening to it, you guys have already watched the Carolina Panthers take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. We, have, we don't have the benefit of already watching the game. No. Having said that, we do appear to be able to predict the future based on the past few weeks of this. I called the Nick Mullins game, carving them up. It was beautiful. Uh, you carved yeah. Baker Mayfield coming in and saving the Browns. Uh, we've had a few. We were like three I or four. I had Brock Osweiler's grade. Right. You had Andrew Luck. Yeah. Like, his, like the whole game flow of the Colts-Patriots game from so a few weeks like, ago. So we're like four in a row of actually nailing this. So, so no pressure, but uh, what happened when the Carolina Panthers took on the Pittsburgh Steelers? I'm Steve? starting to feel some of the pressure, not going to lie, because I, I don't have a strong inkling about this one, but... You've got to embrace it. This is all about gut feeling, Steve. What does your instinct say happened in the game we just saw? All right. The game that we just saw, the Carolina Panthers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Shoot. Dude, who did I pick to win? Because now I'm, <laughs> I'm predicting something for the Carolina Panthers. We all picked the Steelers. We all picked the Steelers to win. Mm-hmm. But the thing I'm feeling is Christian McCaffrey just carving up that Pittsburgh defense. Okay. Something ridiculous, like 14 catches, 140 yards, one or two touchdowns. All right. But somehow, according to my picks, Pittsburgh already, they still won. Well, it's possible that your pick was wrong. And oh, that's what true. you predicted it's actually true. came true. Instead. So I'm going to stick with my McCaffrey prediction. I don't feel great about it, but that's where I'm leaning. 14 for 140, one or two touchdowns. All right. Fair? Yep, that's what we saw good. in the pa- Panthers-Steelers game. Now let's get into the Sunday games that have not happened yet for any of us. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the Seattle Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams coming off that loss last week. At the New Orleans Saints, they played a pretty good game against the Seahawks a couple weeks ago. This is one of the ones I predicted pretty well. Rams, yeah. Rams at Seahawks. Right, a shootout. I said, yeah, it's going to be a shootout. Russell Wilson's going to, you know, keep keep a team that's probably overmatched in this game. Uh, this one should be a little bit more lopsided, being in Los Angeles. What are you seeing from this one, Sam? Yeah, the interesting thing about this game to me is that um, last time they actually kept Aaron Donald pretty quiet. Right. We were saying that that was a monster mismatch going into that game. DJ Fluker had the game of his life somehow and kept, them, uh, kept him relatively quiet as part of that offensive line. But 
Let me just read you Aaron Donald's career statistics when playing the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we're now this is talking, not suitable for work. We're now talking nine games in the regular season between the two. Um, Donald's PFF grade for those nine games is 94.4, which wow. is pretty absurd. Nine games, eight sacks, 19 hits, 34 hurries, and 14 more blocks defeated that didn't have a chance to become pressure before the ball came out. His win percentage, just in terms of rushing the passer, is 25%. Wow. Like, that is completely unheard of. It's ridiculous. Those numbers are mind-bending. Um, but, like we say, they did a pretty good job of slowing him down the last time. So, was that a complete and total freak? Is this Seahawks offensive line that much better this year? Or is normal service to be resumed and Aaron Donald wrecks them again? I think both. I think Seattle's offensive line's better. DJ Fluker has a 75.1 pass block rate. That's solid. That's above average. That's solid. He's actually struggled in the run game. I know he's known for the opposite. Um, our Seattle run blocking grades are not strong. So they're running the yeah. ball pretty well the last few weeks, despite the offensive line and despite what people might tell you. Uh, it's a lot of Chris Carson doing a lot of work uh, after contact. But I would expect, you know, J.R. Sweezy also has an above average pass block grade. I still think Aaron Donald has the advantage over those two guys. Well, he definitely does. Well, he has the advantage over everybody. Yeah. Um, I think I said this on the Monday pod, though. Russell Wilson, we've charged him with seven sacks this year out of 18 that have been assigned yeah. to the Seahawks. This isn't total number of sacks. This is sacks that we've assigned to a player or multiple players on a play. Who's at fault? Seven for Russell Wilson, 18 total for the Seahawks. Um, you know, all, all of which you know, came, not all of which came from the offensive line. We've got a tight end in there, a couple of running backs. So the offensive line overall has certainly improved. Russell Wilson's pressure rate is 36% this year. By far the lowest of his career. Yeah, and the, the Seahawks offensive line, the pressure rate that they are allowing has completely transformed. They've been 24th or worse for the last four straight years. They're sixth now. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a completely different unit in terms of statistically. Um, it is grading a lot better as well, not as much as the stats would say. But it's, I mean, it, it is a different unit than it's been in the past. I'm just very impressed with what Seattle has done with... <sighs> I mean, before the season, where's their personnel? Where's their roster? Right. It's in the 20s in the NFL, right? If you put Russell Wilson aside, mm -hmm. it's in the 20s. But now you've got guys like David Moore at receiver. You mentioned Chris Carson and what he's doing. A whole defensive overhaul. Bradley McDougald is one of the, the top-graded safeties. Just very impressed with Seattle. I know they just lost last week to the Chargers. If they lose again, their playoff hopes dwindling week by week. It's going to be a challenge. But I'm still impressed with what Seattle has done and how competitive they've been this season. Yeah, I, we kind of predicted that this team generally this season would really fall off and may not be in contention at all. And though they are losing these games against very good teams, they're at least competitive. And at the very minimum, they're still kind of in the hunt a little bit. Oh, yeah, obviously, absolutely. their division makes it a wild card hunt only. But still, they're, they're definitely closer to contending um, than we thought they were heading into this year. And then with the Rams, uh, Jared Goff, currently number three in PFF quarterback grades. I just tweeted he actually has the highest percentage. You know, we track reads, uh, general reads, looks. You know, you start at one side of the field, work to another side of the field. He's number one, highest percentage of working to another side of the field, a second or third read uh, in theory. It's not, read's not the best word, but look is. But it just shows a guy that's surveying the field. That was, that was one of the traits that we saw at Cal that we really liked. Um, so as much as Goff gets called the system quarterback and everything, um, let's bring back bring back the comparison. Let's also bring back the fact that two things can also be true at the same time, Sam. Sean McVay it's crazy. can be a very good play caller 
and can be a guy that elevates his play, players around him. Jared Goff can also be a very good quarterback that is working well in that system and making Sean McVay look good as well. They're both very good this season, where last year the argument was much cleaner for, wow, McVay's really elevating Goff. Yeah. This year, both of them are working together pretty well. Yeah, I mean, typically when you're putting up record-breaking kinds of numbers, more than one thing is going into that. Oh, absolutely. So um, the receivers are all looking good for the Rams, and of course, uh, MVP candidate Todd Gurley. I hate you know to beat a dead horse, but... Stop it. It seems to be our. Um, we just have to remind people on multiple channels that Todd Gurley is not the most valuable player in the NFL this year, mm-hmm. or close to it. All of the most valuable players in the NFL are quarterbacks. Yeah, the end. And then other guys that affect the pass game more than running backs do. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a it's going to be a pretty good game. Aaron Donald season. Any other ways to put this thing in perspective? <laughs> I think we have to continue to repeat that the guy that was has been the number one player in the NFL the last few years is having a career season. Yeah, his numbers are insane. I mean, it, he's reaching that J.J. Watt level of every number you look at is just ridiculous. Like every, you know, when J.J. Watt was at the peak of his powers and he was coming off those sort of three seasons of back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back ridiculous numbers... Like every number we started to look at, stuff that we don't have just readily available, we start diving into, just checking out stats. Every number we looked at was more absurd than than the last one. You know, any anything you choose to dive into, JJ Watt was looking like an absolute monster, head and shoulders above anybody else. Donald is reaching that same level where just any number you start checking, he's off on his own. You know, if you imagine these. Um, graphs that the analytics guys pull out or that you see on Twitter every now and again of, you know, clusters of people and then there's an outlier over here. Donald is always That's the him. outlier yeah. right now. Yeah, so unbelievable season. I like, here's here's one. He has as many hurries, hurries and hits. He has more hurries and hits than anyone else has all total pressure, sacks, hurries and hits. So he's got 51 times he's either hurried or hit the quarterback Next, and then Fletcher Cox has 49 total pressures, so that includes his sacks. Yeah. That's our Aaron Donald nugget of the game, of the week. What do we have for uh, a winner in this one, Sam? We all taking the Rams? Yeah, this was a weird week for picks. We've almost all, like, clean, we're almost all unanimous across every single game. It's weird. There are very few, um, there are very few dissenting voices in the PFF picks this week. All right, let's get to the New England Patriots at the Tennessee Titans. The Patriots coming off a win against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football and the Titans, uh, Cole Brown. Cole Brown-led Titans. Uh-oh. If you guys see the YouTube channel, our guy Cole Brown, he um, is a thing for the Titans, I think. Yeah. To say the yeah, least. he does. Uh, so the Titans come off a big win on Monday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. What are you did. looking for in this one, Sam? This is, I mean, it's kind of interesting. New England South against New England, New England South, North. Yeah. Tom Brady playing his old teammate. Mike Vrabel. I know, right? Right? Head coach Mike Vrabel against, yeah. There's only, he's only like, Vrabel is only two years older than Brady or something yeah, like that. It's insane. Right. I mean, McVay is like eight years younger than Brady. Well, yeah, but he's just, you know, weird. He's just a middle schooler. But he didn't, like, he didn't have the career. Like, you know, Vrabel had a full and long NFL playing career. Now is a head coach. went through co- coaching, yeah. went through the grind, got a head coaching job. Now is a head coach and is still only two years older than Brady. Whereas McVay like skipped all those middle steps yeah. and just went straight from like coaching phenom to head coach. So it makes sense that he's younger. 
Yeah, I think so. There's some fun matchups in this one. Of course, you've got Dion Lewis, you've got Malcolm Butler, you have all these former um, Patriots. former Patriots in Tennessee now. Um, our guy Zach Robinson did a great job showing uh, the Patriots coverage, a, a little coverage breakdown against Green Bay on Sunday night. And Zach came into the office one day. I was like, man, they were doing some stuff that you just don't see. I mean, they were they were pulling out everything they could against Aaron Rodgers, and he did a fun little breakdown on that. And Stephon Gilmore is on an absolute roll for the Patriots. He, when we talk about this value stuff and war, one of the most valuable defensive players in the NFL so far this year. There's another YouTube video that George and Eric did that break break that down. So the Patriots defense, watching them come together, um, just kind of one of the stories of the season because that's kind of what they do this time of year. Is Belichick just going to go after Malcolm Butler and victimize him and further reinforce this? I was right. Ha, ha, ha. Well, Vrabel's not happy poor, poor with Butler. Butler. They're well, he, talking about even stealing some snaps from him on Sunday. destroyed. Yeah, Amari Cooper was. and everything. I mean, so they're, they're talking about stealing some snaps from him. They just kept running double moves against him, like, all day. Vrabel made the point. He's like, when you're playing man coverage, you have to look at your man. And then he True. very nicely said, once you start looking at the quarterback, your man's going to go the other way. Yeah. So that was his way of saying, stop biting on double moves, Malcolm. Yes. I mean... They, the Seahawks should have ran a slant and go. What do you think about it? His the play that made his career was, you know, jumping it. Right. I'm going to jump the first move I see, and that's what is going to happen. And so it looked like, you know, one. Of, it, it is legitimately one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history, right? But it turns out that there might have been quite a lot of this is just how aggressive he plays to it. And the longer his NFL career goes, the more that's becoming a problem as opposed to the thing that made the greatest play he's ever made. Don't try to diminish credit. I mean, it was, it was I'm incredible. Not, I'm saying it's On legitimately the, one of the greatest plays in yeah, Super Bowl history. The problem is, it turns out it might actually have been a product of a guy who just aggressively jumps the first move he sees. You're saying Seattle, run a double move one time. Uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Butler has given up a passer rating of 141.8 yeah. into his coverage. That is eighth worst in the NFL and seven touchdowns. That is worst in the NFL, just above... Marcus Peters and Janoris Jenkins. Um, just just naming all these players at the bottom of the cornerback lists, how how difficult is it to play corner year in, year out? We've had Malcolm Butler, Marcus Peters, and Janoris Jenkins as top 10 corners within the last two or three years. This stuff fluctuates a ton. Yeah. I mean, Marcus Peters came out and gave this interview after that game uh, against the Saints. And... Uh, he he was used, he was very blunt about his description about all this, and all the reporters are sort of asking, um, you know, what's what's the reason you've been struggling, and are, are you hurt? What what's the? They were looking for an explanation, and he kept repeatedly, basically saying, um, "Shit happens. Shit happens. It's football." That was his quote, and I think that's what we're. I think it's true. Like it's a really hard position, maybe the hardest position. Um, to play in football. And sometimes you, you go up against a guy that's really good. Right. If you discount the sort of weight of things quarterbacks are expected to achieve. But in terms of the difficulty of what it is you're being tasked with, it's probably the hardest position in football. And you go up against all pro players as well. And it's just not easy to stop those ca- guys catching the ball, even if you are in tight coverage. So sometimes you're going to look really good because you make a couple of plays on the ball. You get a pick. You get a pass breakup. Other times, they're going to catch everything that comes their way, even if you're draped all over them all game long, and you look, you look terrible. 
And then that's without, you know, you get one play where they run a double move, you fall over, and you look like a complete moron on national TV. That was like, a bad one. It just happens. It's a tough one. Tough cornerback. Tough spot, Sam. Yeah. Uh, I think we're all taking New England. Yes. In this one. All right, let's fly through the uh, rest of the games. We'll give everybody something to watch for in every single game. Arizona Cardinals at the Kansas City Chiefs. Mismatch? Slight mismatch? Mismatch of the week here? Huge mismatch, I would suggest. As well as the Kansas City Chiefs have played, I still come back to the fact that they have to play the Cardinals this week and the Raiders twice. Yeah, they're going to put up insane Holmes might throw 60 touchdowns this year. Yeah, I mean, so... The Cardinals' defense can cause problems for teams. There's still a lot of talent on there. You know, Chandler Jones gave the Vikings all kinds of fits. Now, the problem is the Chiefs have a much better offensive line than the Vikings, so that part shouldn't happen. Patrick Peterson going one-on-one with Tyreek Hill for however long that happens in I this hope game. It, I hope it happens. Peterson's only shadowed once, I think. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't think they'll shadow him because they just don't do that anymore, really. It's also not a good matchup for Patrick Well, that's Peterson. why it's interesting to me, is I'm curious to see when it does happen, even if it's just a case of what side he's lining up on, what happens. Because those smaller, shifty guys, quick guys, have really given Patrick Peterson problems over his career. I think he's become a lot better at that over his career. He has, for sure. Than earlier, but it's still... I mean, Tyreek Hill one-on-one with anybody is a mismatch in Tyreek Hill's favor. But in particular against Patrick Peterson, it strikes me as the kind of matchup that could get ugly. But a guy like Chris Harris, who's more like 5'11", right. better agility than Peterson, is a probably a better matchup. Yeah. Than Patrick. I mean, but I mean, Jalen Ramsey versus Tyreek Hill earlier this year so that's was what, similar. That's what it kind of needs to go down, right? You need to get your hands on him if right. you're that size. And if you don't, that's where the problems happen. Now, when Peterson has got into trouble in the past against short, shifty guys, it has been on the release and he's just not been able to get anything on them. And then they're, you know, there's a yard and a half of separation. He's playing catch up the whole way. That, that's what he has to deal with with Tyreek Hill. He's got to be able to disrupt him at the line of scrimmage. And if he misses, he's going to have real issues. Uh, Josh Rosen, we we're running through some interesting numbers this week. He's really struggled on first down. Uh, uh, been okay on first down, but his third down numbers are just bad. Uh, worst in the league and a, bu- a bunch of different numbers on third down. And then Patrick Mahomes, the number that I keep checking every week is his uh, passing yards outside the pocket. Yeah. Still has more than 200 yards more than the next closest guy outside the pocket. Yeah. 11 yeah. big time throws outside, outside the Outside the pocket. Next closest guy is five. Right. So Mahomes doing it inside and outside structure. That's why every single week we're going to come on here and say they're right. unstoppable. And it's why, we, yeah, it's why we said right up top that that's the scariest thing about Mahomes is that he's doing amazing things inside the pocket, but the thing that he's best at and always has been best at is making plays outside of the pocket, outside of structure, the offense, the things you can't teach. So then you're back in that catch-22 situation. We want to pressure him and knock him off his game, but without letting him outside the pocket because, God, bad things happen. We're all taking Kansas City in this one? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, we're not all taking Atlanta against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Uh, this is the next game. Everyone's taking Atlanta other than Zach Robinson. He's riding the Baker train. Yeah. And he's riding the Matt Ryan outdoor train. The Matt Ryan outdoor it's train. Out, it's outdoors in Cleveland. I haven't checked the weather yet. Now, of course, Matt Ryan's coming off a four-touchdown performance outdoors last week where he averaged one yard down the field on all and on the gotta, four of them. Why you got to hate on Matt Ryan? I don't have to hate. I'm not hating on Matt Ryan. I've just seen things out there that say, oh, Matt Ryan's having as good of a season as he did in his MVP season two yeah. years ago. He's not. He threw four touchdowns last week. So he's he's not. not. Outside. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, still an interesting team that always seemed to grade pretty well for us. Underachieved. <laughs> underachieved last year. Underachieved during the season this year. 
but they're a couple games away from being right back in this thing, and this is obviously a winnable game even in Cleveland. Yeah, it is. Um, this it, it's fascinating. I accidentally picked the Browns initially before I realized. What do you mean I, accidentally? You typed in the wrong. I, yeah, I don't have no idea how I did it. Gordon, huh. Gordon, who kind of assembles all these picks and sends them out to get the image made, he was like, "Oh, that uh, that Browns game is the one you need to catch up your one game on Nathan." It's like I picked the Browns. No, that that clearly wasn't intentional. Let's go fix that. Um, you can't start chasing picks. Exactly. You've got to play the percentages. Like you now. wait till week 16, 15 if you're way out of it. Yes. So uh, this Cleveland Browns defense, it's still kind of fascinating because it's entirely dependent on turnovers, which has happened in the past. You know, teams have gone on a run. They've gone a season generating a lot of turnovers. It typically is not sustainable. Would you like to know who yes. the highest defense is in terms of missed tackles over the season? Is it the Cleveland Browns? It is. Would you like to know how many they've missed? 83. 109. What? Yes. So the fewest in the league right now is 34. 34 by the Redskins. The Browns have basically missed three times the number of tackles than the Washington Redskins have. That's unbelievable. You know what's funny about that, about just that in general? It makes, obviously, it sounds obvious, right? It makes a huge impact. <laughs> right, yes, but nowhere, but nowhere in the evaluation process, right? Miss are tackles. you like, oh, this guy? Oh, he's. A, you say he's a good tackler, but most people they're like, he's a good tackler because he's got good form, yeah. or something. Not he just doesn't miss tackles. But it's also one, it's another one of these numbers that fluctuates wildly, right? You, there aren't that many players. There are some, but there aren't that many players who are consistently miss a ton or make or miss very very few tackles. True. So, you think of guys that miss very few. Bobby Wagner is some kind of tackle-making Superman. Yeah. Like he's, he's got to that Takeo Spikes level where he just doesn't miss tackles ever. Yeah. Uh, on the other end of the scale, you've got guys like Quan Alexander who will always miss a ton of tackles. It's just He's that type of player. Yeah. But there aren't that many that fall into either camp. Most guys will go through their career. Some years they'll miss 15. Some years they'll miss four. And you know it fluctuates wildly in between. Now, as a defense, I think if you look at it as a unit – it's probably more stable, or at yeah. least over a season, it's a consistent thing. Well, a team like New England always seems like they do a good job of tackling right. and avoiding. So the Browns the leading the league in missed tackles is not like a freaky fluke thing. It's this is a problem. Yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like something. If you could just tidy that up a little bit, right? You're giving yourself you're giving yourself a chance. So that's something to look look out for after the Falcons again had four touchdowns for Matt Ryan, where they averaged 31 yards after the catch per. Touchdown reception. So that's Calvin Ridley after the catch. That's Tevin Coleman after the, that's Julio Julio Jones. Something to watch out for in that one. Uh, we're all taking Atlanta other than Zach, as I mentioned. Um, another dome team going outdoors. Coming coming over here to Cincinnati. The New Orleans Saints at the Cincinnati Bengals. Should be nice weather though. Is it? Is forties, fifties. Good weather this weekend. Yeah, excellent. But there's only one dome. I, I, I checked really quick. Well, only one dome game on the uh, on the docket in the entire NFL this week. Really. Yeah, a lot of outdoor football there this week. Uh, Saints at Bengals. The Saints stated their case for the to be at the top of uh, everyone's power rankings to just be sitting atop the NFC. Uh, Saints fans were mad at me though because I do read the comments and they were mad because they said, "Did I say that they can't win on the road?" I didn't say that they can't win on the road, but historically, I know they've won. I understand that they've won all their games on the road this year. Uh-huh. I understand that they've won games on the road. I have given you very clear instructions to, first of all, never read the comments. There are viewers on the, our YouTube viewers. They, it's just it's an accepted thing. You don't read the YouTube comments. Bad things happen there. 
And my second, my addendum to my instructions to you is, even if you are going to go and read the YouTube comments against my advice, don't bring them into my world. I sometimes want you no need part to know. of the YouTube comments. If you want to read them, you want to get down sometimes in the Sometimes they make fun of your accent. That's fine. If you want to get down and dirty in the cesspool that is the YouTube comments, knock yourself out. You've been called wade, angry. Wade hip deep into all the mank that's in there, but don't bring it into my world. I don't want to hear about it. You've been called angry before. I don't know why people would say that. See, maybe they're right. But, but, but I don't need to hear about it. That's all I'm saying. You have fun, Oops. but if you want to present something we'll to see. me as coming from the YouTube comments, you're going to have to invent a, a different source. So the point we were trying to make with Saints fans uh, that I did not read in the comments <laughs> was that when they're on the road, Drew Brees isn't as productive. The pass game isn't as productive and, and versus in the dome where they're just, boom, like a different team, a well-oiled machine and almost unstoppable. Yeah. So it's a factor. I think that gives Cincinnati a chance here. Uh, missing Carl Lawson will hurt a little bit. Geno Atkins going up against the Saints' interior offensive line, though, could be a, a pretty big mismatch the way they've passed protected this year. Yeah, that's interesting. The other thing that's interesting is no A.J. Green for the Bengals' yeah, offense. Yeah, that's a tough one. And by the way, did you realize how many people on that team are named Tyler? Croft. Croft. Eifert. Boyd. Boyd. Eifert. Like their entire offense is named Tyler. Softchick. I don't think he's on the team, but he's, he's, not on he's, the team. he's on our Cincinnati. team. He's on our team, um, yeah. But I was listening to something on the radio this morning, and they were talking about, you know, what is what are they going to do with uh, with AJ Green down? Are they going to move Tyler Boyd outside, or just keep him in the slot and try and manufacture with John Ross back? Blah blah blah. But it was like, you know, the way coaches tend to talk to other coaches and they use the first name of players. Yeah. It's just kind of annoying. We'll put Tyler at tight end. We'll put Tyler right. in the slot. It's like, are you going to move Tyler? I was like, hang on, Tyler. And then I was like, oh, hang on. Everybody on this offense is called Tyler. We're going to go 12 I never personnel this before? with Tyler, Tyler, and then Tyler's going to play outside. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If they get them all healthy, we're going to deploy three Tylers. Well, unfortunately, Eifert is one of the Tylers. Well, yeah, that's never going to happen. Eifert's uh, still not going to be um, So, healthy. yeah, you have A.J. Green down. Uh, John Ross is coming back again. Uh, Tyler Boyd has been extremely productive from the slot. Um, how, they manuf- how they overcome that loss is going to be big because... You know, they've managed actually quite well to overcome the loss of Tyler Eifert, Eifert this right. season. Um, but A.J. Green... Because Tyler Boyd has stepped up and been right. incredible. But A.J. Green is, is a real problem. Yeah, right? and so Andy Dalton right now, 84.1 PFF grade, highest of his career. The narrative for him has always been, well, 2015 was the best grade of his career. That's when they had all those great playmakers. Yeah. They work off each other. They feed off each other. What can he do without A.J. is going to be a huge factor. Yeah. Uh, we're all taking the Saints. Yep, everybody. Yeah, we're all believers in the best team in the NFC, the Saints. Or is it the Rams? Wow. Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. Uh, 30 seconds, Sam. What are you watching for in this one? <sighs> Derek Anderson, I believe, is getting the start. Snow. Snow is what I'm watching for. Th- is it going to snow? I hope so. We just hope there's nothing in this game. No. We're all taking the Jets except for, except for Neil jumping on the Buffalo bandwagon. Josh McCown. Oh, yeah. that. I mean, the Jets... That, that changes their fortunes. I mean, Josh McCown's a fun quarterback to watch. He's like a, uh, he's like a well-groomed Fitzpatrick. A well-groomed Fitzpatrick with more mobility. McCown's got some More mobility? Oh, my gosh. Fitz Mc- is kind of mobile. No, Mc- McCown is really athletic. Fitz is sneaky athletic, McC- though. No, but McCown's real athletic. <laughs> like, real athletic. Not sneaky. He's athletic. McCown was one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL last year. Really weird season that landed about 26th on PFF grades, but he was efficient throwing the ball down the field. 
had a bunch of turnover-worthy plays that just he got away with, but was also efficient in like the expected stuff for the Jets. So I think they're going to move the ball all right. It's not a bad matchup. McCown in the pass game against the Bills defense, that's pretty good on the back end. Yeah, this is two good defenses going up against two truly, truly wretched offenses, one of which might be better because they have Josh McCown in there now. There you go. McCown. The that's Given a nice the, Jets, synopsis, the right? advantage. Yeah, it's well done. And it might snow, so you can watch that too. It, you didn't even check a weather report. You're just... It's November. It's in New York. It might snow. Yeah. Uh, Washington Redskins at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Speaking of uh, sneaky athletic Fitzpatrick, how about this one? Everybody's taking Tampa Bay except for Gordon taking Washington. Yeah. Is Washington the worst 5-3 and three team in history? <laughs> God, you were just on a mission to make fan bases mad at you every single week. Every week. Oh, well, the Lions are up next. So. Oh, perfect. They're the next game on the list here. What are you thinking in this one? So Does I have Fitz some- keep it up? At some point, and this could be it, with Washington, outside of two games, has had a pretty tough defense to play against. Yeah. This could be the game that Fitz throws 12 picks. It could be. 8 to 12. That would help because Washington's offense is anemic. Um, would you like some interesting numbers for I Washington's would. offense? As a Washington Redskins columnist, I'm sure right. you have some. 21 explosive plays by their wide receivers, which is the worst in the NFL. What's an explosive play? Gain 15? of 15 or more yards. Um, so they've basically not been able to get big plays out of the receivers. Now, part of that is receivers. Part of that is obviously Alex Smith, who is back to being pathologically conservative. Yeah. Here's another number. 75 yards after the, the catch by their wide receivers, which is also the fewest in the NFL. Last week, um, Calvin Ridley had something like 65 yards after the catch. Yeah, like 35 on a play. Right. Just on like six catches. The Redskins receivers, all of them collectively, not running backs, all wide receivers collectively have 75 for the season. Alex Smith needs those yards. So Alex Smith can't go deep downfield, and they can't turn the short stuff into big stuff. So the passing game is really struggling to get anything done. So, yeah, they could use those 12 Fitzpatrick interceptions. So... One cure for that might be the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. Okay. Because they're not great. <laughs> and they've been in shootouts. Something has to give here. We got a rough Washington offense <laughs> going up against an offense. explosive it's terrible Tampa passing Bay. defense. Yeah. Something's got to give here. I'm taking Tampa Bay because I'm thinking Fitz is going to keep it going. The YOLO stuff works well enough when you get this many playmakers. So it's the incredibly movable object against the very resistible force. That's correct. Okay. I'm taking the first one. Well, we all went with the Bucks, so we're going with that one. Yeah, Whichever we're all taking the Bucks, one. except for Gordon. Yeah. What did I say was next? Lions at the Bears. Yeah. Everybody's taking the Bears in this one, too. This I could mean, be a good one. This I, could be the time that the, the Lions start to run the ball here, establish the run. Establish the run. I can see why you take the Bears, but I think this will be a good game. I think it'll be a good game, yeah. I mean, division t- game. The division is still very tight. It's tight for a reason. I think all these teams are pretty closely matched. The Bears have been good this season, but the Lions... You know, so they're they're capable of exploiting the right areas. You know, Trubisky continues to play not as well as this box score stats. They're manufacturing him some plays, but this uh, Detroit defense can cause them some problems. Yeah, so the Patricia New England defenses usually, they don't do a great job. They'll give up the underneath stuff, right? So they'll yeah. give up some yards after, they'll give up some expected yards after the catch or whatever. That's Tariq Cohen, you know, so like the short stuff that Chicago likes to run, there should be some opportunities there. Um, Detroit's defensive line, though, it's one of the stories of the season, Sam. On paper, it, it, it looked terrible. Yeah. Deshaun Hand is I, finally breaking out as a five-star player. No freaking idea. Ashawn Robinson that. getting after it. Detroit's defensive line is one of the stories of the season, so credit those guys for their development, whether it's the new scheme, whether it's just 
uh, them all coming together at the right time, and that's they've been much better. I have no earthy idea how Deshaun Hand has become a good player because he did not look good at all at Alabama. Yeah. Um, the acquisition of snacks in the middle makes just such a huge difference. He's one of the. It's back to being. It's back to this idea of. Defending the run is not that important in the greater scheme of things. But if you have a guy who is that good at it, unless you're great, it does yeah. make a tangible difference in specific plays and in certain situations. And you know, we saw it against the Vikings. You basically can't run up the middle unless you have a ridiculously good offensive line, and the Vikings don't. So there's right. a bunch of times where he just like tossed Elf line to the side and made a stop regardless of what they were doing. Inside zone up the middle, which is basically everybody's staple play almost doesn't exist when he's there. Like, unless you're really good and able to move him laterally, which most people aren't, you can't really run that play. Or at the very minimum, you're expecting the running back to have to beat his tackle in the hole. I told you, I hate that our guys keep telling us that the run game doesn't matter. They keep hammering home. Because I, I like watching these guys play the run well. But it's it also, fun to watch. It's, it doesn't, it's, it's all about I know it doesn't, it's not greater as clean scheme as it of matter. numbers, right? It right. does matter on very specific plays. Like everything you, look everything matters to a point it's just how much it matters that's yeah, all but it's it's also it's on a macro level versus a micro level like if right. it's if it's third and one and you run inside zone up the middle oh it, it very much matters oh third and ones absolutely matter goal but, line runs matter all that stuff right. matters so there's a lot of ways in which damon harrison is impacting the run game and right. impacting a defense positively and him going up against the interior of this bears offense is going to be pretty fun so we're all taking chicago but i'm expecting a good game here yeah hope there's some weather in that one too Little NFC North weather's always fun. This is going to be ruining Mike Renner's off or season now, as he hates weather games. Snow. Does he hate weather he games, or is he just snow? Is it because he's afraid of the ice? No, he just he thinks snow ruins football games. So I kind of like, yeah. I mean, it skews perception a little bit since since so much of perception is about stats and you know th- th- that stuff does get skewed and it changes perception of players. I don't care. I There's like no it more way you can game. tell me that the you know Buffalo snow game with Lashawn McCoy running or Calvin Johnson picking up half a snowman out of his face cage. You just can't tell me that's not better. It is the end. No, it's, it's pretty fun. I mean, it's fun overall, but I, I can see how it skews perception of players, and that's what that's the business we're in here, Sam. I'm just saying it's better. You have 15 seconds on Chargers-Raiders. Uh, the Chargers will win. The Raiders are terrible. I don't need 15 seconds. Four will do it. Maurice Hurst is still the highest-graded defensive player on the Raiders at 71.9. I got to say, I have an incredibly morbid fascination for what the Raiders are going to do with their five first-round picks over the next two years. I, I don't think it's... I don't think their situation's as bad as... They're, they're not this... La- Everybody wants to call them the, the laughing stock and, and all that stuff. But if you're, if you're going to rebuild, this is the way to do it. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's going to be really ugly on the way there. They uh, have amassed the kind of draft capital that propelled the Dallas Cowboys into a dynasty. Does that work? That's yeah, yeah, not a dynasty. There Thank you, you. So they have amassed that kind of draft capital, but it worked for Dallas because they drafted, you know, Emmett Smith at, back when running backs mattered and a bunch of other really good players with those picks it doesn't work if you take them and you miss now i'm not saying they're going to do that but their draft this year was a bit weird but a lot of the history with did you miss or not over time there's really no such thing as good good drafters right so that's what i'm saying so you've amassed the capital this capital only makes sense if you hit on it now i'm not saying that's a it's a thing that you necessarily control because it's a crapshoot still but you do need to hit on it otherwise it doesn't matter 
I am looking forward to that. Uh, Chargers looking really good. Uh, Joey Bosa coming back soon. There, so the Chargers' defensive front has gotten really good, and Oakland's offensive line has basically collapsed over the past couple of seasons. Yeah. They used to be, if not the best offensive line in the game, then top three. Um, 2016, I think they allowed the second fewest total pressures of any team in the league. Now they're completely ranked different. in the bottom five yeah. offensive lines at PFF. I mean, this that unit has fallen to pieces. But the Chargers are going to be so much better when Bosa's there. Melvin yeah. Ingram not having the same type of season he had with Bosa, but you still have Derwin James moving around. And the Chargers are Super Bowl contenders. MVP Melvin Gordon in the backfield. Yeah, just as good as Todd Gurley back there. Uh, just, just as, as valuable. Oh, i got to check our war numbers and see if that's true. Really trolling everybody now. We're all taking the Chargers, of course. Uh, Miami Dolphins at the Green Bay Packers, Sam. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay. This is So Green Bay's offensive line is one of the best in the league, certainly when it comes to pass protection. David Bakhtiari does not get enough press in terms of becoming the next Joe Thomas. He has a 94 pass blocking grade, which is so much higher than everyone else. You could make the case that his pass blocking over the past 18 months or so has been better than Joe Thomas ever achieved. Ooh. I don't know. I think you could make that case. Now, Joe Thomas is a better run blocker over his career than Bakhtiari has even developed into. But if you're just looking at pass protection, I think you can make the case that Bakhtiari right now is at a higher level than Joe Thomas reached. Maybe, but like Joe Thomas, and I know our numbers, our numbers do as well as they can to adjust for this stuff, but he was also blocking for guys that were so oblivious back right. there. Yeah, yeah. So oblivious back there. And Rodgers actually, you know, he invites pressure, but he avoids sacks. But again, we account for that stuff. I don't know. It's close. uh, But Bakhtiari deserves to be at least in that conversation where Joe Thomas was consistent Hall of Fame left tackle since day one. We get, well, see, that's the thing. That's why I'm saying that the perception is different, right? Joe Thomas comes in as a, uh, one of the best offensive line draft prospects ever, hits the ground running, plays really well from day one. So it's, it seals the reputation at that point, right? Even if he'd fallen off a cliff and been playing terribly from like year three on, he would still have that reputation for the better part of a decade. Right. Whereas Bakhtiari comes in unheralded, you know, starts off as a pretty good pass blocker, a bad run blocker, has to develop, it becomes a great pass blocker, becomes a decent run blocker. But the, the perception he has to, you know, he's coming from such a low ebb in terms of reputation that it's just it's going to take him years to build up to that level if he ever gets there. Did you know, by the way, that we're now being tested by offensive linemen in terms of how good our stuff is? No, I did not. I got a DM during the week. It was like, so how many sacks did I give up this week? I was like, we don't have you with any at the moment. It's like, good. I was using the one sack that I gave up as a test for how well you're sort of assignment really? process works because it was all in the quarterback dropping too deep in the pocket. Well, we're all about that. Right. Yeah, we know that. So that's, I know that there are other services that track sacks, and yeah. I know that Next Gen's trying to do this whole deal. The intelligence that we add to it, though, I, th- I don't think can be duplicated. I know for a fact that we had one, one tackle one year with three sacks, and yeah. I think someone else had him with eight. So he and was it's like, not, it's because it's not about the guy that you're blocking yeah. getting the sack. He was like, I'm, I was using this as a barometer to see how good you are at this stuff right now. Is if you guys had charged that to me, obviously, you know, credibility loss, as they say. I would have. Uh, but, uh, it's good to see that some uh, offensive linemen are hanging their quarterback out to dry. Right, but That's we great. didn't. So it was all in the quarterback, and he was happy. We know what we're doing when it comes to. We do know what we're play. doing. Our guys are really smart with O line stuff. Take that old line Twitter. Well, you're a two-time keynote speaker, Steve. I am a two-time keynote speaker at the Cool Clinic, Sam. Offensive line clinic every single year Yeah, here in Cincinnati. 
Uh, we're all taking Green Bay in this one. Bounce back game. That must be standing room only every year. Oh, my? Here you talk about offensive line play. <sighs> Most of the big offensive line coaches in there will go grab a slice of pizza when I'm talking. Oh, yeah? I'm a keynote keynote speaker. Hmm. Um, Bob maybe, Wiley runs the show there. Maybe that's just because, you know, pizza for an offensive line coach and or player is they, probably quite enticing. They shouldn't put the pizza out just right, before, just I, before you, I mean, that's just not fair, right? Bob Wiley, I, I don't know if he's, because he's so famous now. Yeah. The Browns offensive line coach who says hut and his whole belly moves. Um, <laughs> he that, runs the clinic. That is artwork. Every single year. So I hope he's not at like such a level of stardom that he's going to back away from the cool you know clinic. he's got like he's got that white maserati that we saw on yeah. hard knocks he's also got a rolls royce really apparently he was the guy old line coach for a while yeah apparently he was the guy that like developed the playbooks for madden um so he's got like madden money in the in the really in the bank, right <laughs> it's not that. from like it's not the offensive line pay it's just that good you know, coaching offensive line in the NFL it's is where you from, make your millions. It's not from the cool clinic either? No, I, I don't oh, think okay. so. I think it's, I think it's Madden that's, that's made him the big bucks. That's great. We're all taking Green Bay against Miami. Uh, let's get to the Jaguars at the Colts. Maybe the captain reading is the only thing yes, need for this. Yes, the captain reading. Cue the music. Dearest mother, I have received your care package of spiced raccoon cheeks and flattened snake strips. Mm-hmm. The jungle cat men inch closer to our camp. Scouts report hearing growls in the distance and have found traces of grits along their trail. Troubling, Andrew. So by this we can take that the, uh, the Colts are playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously. This week. Jungle Cat Man, Steve. It's your one dome game of the week. The Jungle Cat Man. Watch out, Andrew. I'm taking the Colts. You? Yeah, I am as well. We've all, like, this is again, we've all gone with the Colts, right? Even though, oh no, hang on. We, Zach, this is Zach's other... Uh, Taking the Jacks. Listen, Jacks. Well, Bortles in a dome. He'll throw the ball better. Will he? Bortles in a dome. Oh, no, he didn't against Dallas. But who will he throw it better to? That's a good point. Because if he throws it better to the Colts' defense, then... To Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker. Um, Colts' offensive line much improved. Andrew Luck getting rid of the ball quicker. It's all kind of working hand-in-hand. But we also, when we started to adjust for competition, the Colts' offensive line has not had the biggest challenges right. as some other teams. So this is a big challenge still, yes. this Jacksonville defensive front. It has improved dramatically. It has also been the, be- the beneficiary of some very easy competition. So this is their big test, right? It's this Jags defensive front, which is really good still. And Yannick Ngakwe on the edge, Calais Campbell. You know, Malik Jackson has slowed down a little bit, but he's still bringing pressure in the middle. Uh, Marcel Darius has been fantastic against the run, which apparently still matters a little bit at times. We can um, still talk about it. So it's going to be a fun matchup because this is the legitimate test that everybody has been... They've been talking them up for a few weeks, but now we get to see if it's actually legit or if they were just the product of some easy competition. The AFC South was supposed to be wide open, but now the Texans are 6-3. and three. I mean, I guess these teams can still kind of make a run because we don't think that the Texans... We don't think any of these teams are great, <laughs> but man, like the Texans weren't supposed to be 6-3. and three. They shouldn't be. I mean... Multiple teams have missed the chance to end a game against them. Yeah, um, I don't think it's weird because they keep winning these games. So at some point, you kind of have to jump on board. But I still I'm not buying this idea that the Texans are a particularly good team, and yet they continue to just eke out wins and move ahead in this division. So they're now two clear uh, of the Titans. Actually, it's not two, is it? Because there's a buy in there somewhere. But two wins ahead of the Titans, three wins ahead of Jacksonville and Indianapolis, and obviously only one of those teams can win this weekend. So they're kind of taking control of this division despite not actually being that good. 
I, I want to fly through the rest of this stuff, Sam, because we both have a couple things that grind our gears. All right. I think it's important. Okay. Cowboys and Eagles. Yeah. The Cowboys done. Is it time to overhaul that whole organization? I mean, how do you over... The only overhaul you can make is at the coaching level, right? And I'm not getting into that. But this game essentially hinges on pressure from either side. Um, the Cowboys, it's really focusing on Demarcus Lawrence against Lane Johnson. And Lane Johnson has typically won that matchup in the past. I think he is, he's kept a complete clean sheet against Demarcus Lawrence when they've gone one-on-one. So there's no pressure allowed whatsoever. But Lane Johnson's playing through a significant um, MCL sprain, I think a knee sprain. And Demarcus Lawrence is still one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So that takes on a whole new dynamic now. And then obviously the other side of the ball, which is Philadelphia's defensive front, is still terrifying. It's still arguably the best in the league at generating pressure. It's definitely the best in the league at generating pressure without blitzing. And Dak Prescott, for his career, has been under pressure way more against the Eagles than against any other team. 47% of the time. Yeah. His average is 36% of the time. Right. And so we've that, talked many times. Once you get over 40 and especially 45, right. it's so crippling. That propels you from like average to crippling levels just right. by going up against the Eagles. All right. So we're all taking, we all taking Philly? Yep. We're all taking Philly in this one. And then the great Monday night football matchup. We have oh, God. the New York Giants at the San Francisco fighting Nick Mullins. How mad are all of the primetime people that... 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo went down. Oh, yeah. The whole offseason, like, Jimmy G, we're going to ride that storyline all year in prime time. 49ers. Sunday Night Football's already flexed out of, like, six <laughs> 49ers games. 49ers are back. Our poor guy, George, who sits in the truck and is from the Bay yeah, Area. He was from Cali. a bunch yeah. of times. He's like, oh, I just had three trips canceled. You know, yeah. we're going to flex out of every Sunday Night Football game. Perfect. Um, Nick Mullins had a pretty good debut. Saquon Barkley is explosive and fun to watch. So, Eli's still struggling. Yeah. Most of us taking San Francisco. I'm kind of people were really harsh on the Nick Mullins thing, right? It was like, who is this guy? This is a joke of a quarterback situation. I'm insulted that I even have to sit through a game featuring Nick Mullins, right? That was basically the storyline. They didn't hear your prediction, obviously. That was basically the storyline heading into this game. But Nick Mullins had really good grading in, in college. He His grade at PFF were really good. He had really good grades in this preseason. So, all right, he's an intriguing quarterback, right? His debut obviously was fantastic. Not as good as the box score statistics suggest. He did throw a ball directly to a defender in the end zone that should have been picked off, scored a touchdown the next play. So that's going to make you look better than you actually performed. But he played pretty well for a quarterback nobody had heard of coming off as as a debut. It's against the Raiders, Sam. I know. It was against the Raiders, and that's going to help. But we've got, I mean, those are three data points that are intriguing, right? At the very minimum, but these are the guys we want to unearth. The Tony Romos of the world that, if it, yeah. reclaim the, the comparison, Steve. Nick Mullins is saying, Tony Romo. He's Tony Romo. Sam Monson. But Tony Romo was a quarterback, basically nobody had heard of. And they gave him a bit of time and he came off the bench and he turned into, you know, a quality pro bowler. I'm not saying Nick are Mullins. Are you would, saying yes. what I've heard? Oh, God. Is that Nick Mullins is the next Tony Romo? <laughs> All I am saying is that we now have three data points at three separate levels that say that there's something to Nick Mullins being a viable NFL quarterback. So let's embrace actually watching and seeing how that turns out. Knowing the NFL, too, we are two more half decent Nick Mullins games away from rumors about him being flipped for a first round pick. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's going to be, wow, Nick Mullins is the hot commodity. Yep. 
Three and, games and in. And for him securing a decade's worth of Matt Castle Matt contracts. Castle. Get that Matt Castle money. Forget the Madden money. I want that Matt Castle money. Yeah. I want that one-year backup money. All right. We're, all take, we're both taking the 49ers. Neil and Jeff Radcliffe taking I think Neil is just Giants. taking the Giants every week until He sent us win. a message. He said, back on the bandwagon. He got off it last week. <laughs> oh, he week. did? Yeah. I thought he stayed on it. on it the whole way and was no. just keep continuing to pick them until they eventually won. Now he's back on it. All right. Uh, so that's the slate this week. Uh, should be a fun one. Week 10. We'll be here Monday to, uh, to recap it. But for now, let's go into what grinds our gears. You want to go first, Sam? Yeah. What uh, grinds your gears this week? This week, it's agent tweets, right? It's the tweets from, you know, industry sources, from people of high standing in the football, disseminating information world. Wow, you're so who, political. Who tweet something that's quite clearly come straight from the phone of an agent. It's like, you know, oh, I don't know if you noticed this, but he turned down three different offers before he signed this one. All coming up trumps. Like Des Bryant this week, signs for the New Orleans Saints. And it's Des Bryant turned down offers from multiple different teams for high money. All comes up roses for Des because he signed with the Super Bowl contending Saints. Like, well, I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that I watched Hard Knocks and he was wandering around that building, hugging everybody, appearing desperate to sign for them. I don't know if Des Bryant turned them down. That's all I'm saying. Grinds my gears too, Sam. There was one a couple weeks ago after the Derek Carr play where he was crying or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Where it was like, Derek Carr, he's banged up. Really wanted to get back in the game, but he's going to give it a go this week for his teammates. It's just... It's like, you are not Mr. Reporter, sir. Those are not your words. Exactly. You literally copied and pasted this from a tweet that an agent sent you. It's the ones that are so obvious where it's like, this has come straight off the phone of an agent. Like, come on. Have a bit of self-respect and integrity. What the heck was it? Deshaun Watson, when he missed, when he skipped the senior bowl or skipped something or didn't want to throw at the combine, it was like he's going to work so hard to do blah, blah, blah. He's not afraid of competition, but he's ready to yeah. give it a go at his pro day. And it's like, just, just at least dress it up or just something. say I'm not. He's not throwing at the combine instead of copying. Or and put quotation marks around it and say coming from his agent. Like, I, just, yeah, that's true. Know, come on. Whatever. You can tell. Just keep an eye out for him, yeah. everybody. Keep an eye out for uh, hashtag agent tweets. Hashtag agent tweets. Uh, what, what grinds my gears, Sam, I got into a little, a slight, a little spat. I mean, it's Twitter, whatever, um, the other night about deferring the kickoff. Okay. So here's the thing. We First don't have off, much time for this now, so you're going to have to rattle through. We, we have got time. A, we got a hard out. Oh, yeah, What's your right. hard out? No, you're, you're right. It is. It's 40, not 30. I mean, we're yeah, good. You're good. We got, you got time. So so you got, you've actually got 10 minutes to round on this. Perfect. That's, that's what I need. First off, did you know that the NFL... That Madden actually taught everybody the wrong thing about the kickoff growing up, or, or the ability to defer the kickoff. Did you know that? Did you know that the NFL did not allow you to defer the kickoff until 2008? Yes. You're aware of that? Yes. Does everybody know that? Do, do, do you realize how crazy that is? So why did they even have a coin toss pre-2008? If you won the coin toss, you had to receive. The coin toss said, you've earned the right to choose the ball uh-huh. or the side you want to defend yeah. for the first half only. Meaning, if you didn't choose to receive, you didn't get to choose in the second half. Yeah. You just have to take the ball. Uh-huh. It almost like doesn't even make sense. Now, Madden, for years, just like in college football, this is the way it is in college, you could just say, I defer, and you're deferring your option to the second half, and that's like, and then the other team has to receive it, right? Because if they've deferred, you can't kick, because then you're kicking in both halves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That all makes sense? Uh-huh. So you couldn't, even, you couldn't even defer until about 2008. Uh-huh. Now, deferring is always the right option. <laughs> it's always the right thing. If you're going to have an extra possession, you want to have it in the second half. 
And then there's always the chance that you score at the end of the first half, and then you get the ball at the start of the second half, and it's just glorious. And you've earned the extra possession for the game. It's always better to defer. And my little argument the other night was the LSU-Alabama game where all of the announcers, just because LSU's starting linebacker, Delvin, um, Devin White, was out of the game for the first half, they're like, man, they need, to, they need to take the ball. You have to receive because you've got your defensive player out. So you've got to have him on the field for the second half. And I'm like, no, just defer. Always defer. And the argument used against me was that, well, Alabama's going to crush them if you give them the ball. You have to keep the ball away from Alabama. Uh-huh. It's like, well, if you... You have to kick it to them at some point. Well, they, One of the halves, you have to kick it to them. They can only score once on the possession you're giving them. Yeah, that's like how much damage can it be doing. I mean, there's Plus, so, there's so much wrong with this whole If thing. you're going to get blown out at halftime, it probably doesn't matter whether you're deferring or taking the ball. No, of course not. So, I mean, the whole thing is like, why did this... The, the, the analysis that people go to, why did they decide to defer? Well, they really want to get their defense on the field, and they've got a home crowd. It's like, no, I just want my possession in the second half. Like Madden players have known this for years because that's how Madden has had it. But Madden did not have it the, the way that the NFL had it for years. Alabama are basically just 40 points better than college football this year. Yeah, you might as well just, just kick off to them both halves and make for a more explosive game. Okay. That did happen in an NFL game. So that happened yeah, back so in the day. Yeah, it up, right? Well, because, because logic says deferring means I get, to, I get to have my option in the next half. Yeah. But people, because that's, again, that's what we all learned growing up playing video games. But the NFL didn't have that. Like, you had to receive if you won the coin toss, or else you were going to kick twice. It doesn't make any sense. So they fixed it, which is great. So it shouldn't surprise you when, you're, when your team defers. Okay. You want to defer. Okay. So a lot of the things that grind our gears, there's a lot of empathy between the two of us. I can see what, I can see why you dislike that. And, you know, I'm, you I'm with you. You got nothing here? Here, I just, I, I, I don't care. Oh. I really don't. Okay. Really. Thanks, man. I, I look. I, I, I love you up on your agent. Tweets. I love that you're so in, and you know you're so passionate about I'm it. All I in just, on this. Defer. I cannot find a single ounce of my soul to give one iota of a crap when it comes to deferring. That'll do it ball. for us this week. That's our week ten preview. Thanks, Sam, for uh, going out on a high note. Anytime. Everybody enjoy your week 10. Hope you guys all win your fantasy leagues and all that stuff. Special thanks to all of our sponsors. And, of course, get to ProFootballFocus.com. The only way to consume everything that happens in the NFL is with the PFF Elite Package, Premium Stats, and Green Line. We'll chat again on Monday. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. 
Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.